0: Esther chapter number two. We're preaching our way through this book in the Bible. Esther chapter number two. You go there with me in the word of God. We certainly thank the Lord for the Bible, God's holy word. We appreciate those that are visiting with us, and we will recognize you at the end of the service. We appreciate the ministries that are represented. I happen to know the pastors of these churches, and they're faithfully serving the Lord and their regions for the Lord, and we certainly appreciate you honoring us with your presence tonight. Esther, Chapter number two. Last week we began in verse number one after these things. We ended last week talking about a man named by the name of Mordecai. Now in Shushan, verse five, the palace, there was a what? Come on, talk to me. There was a what? A certain Jew. Somebody that's going to be different. Amen. A certain Jew. There are a bunch of Jews in in Persia. But the Bible talks about this certain Jew. And by the way, there are a bunch of people who look like you in the world, but you're going to have to be a certain Christian. Amen? Stand out for God. A certain Jew, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jer, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity, which had been carried away from Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. Mordecai was not in Persia on vacation. He didn't have a choice about it. How are you going to act when you do things you don't have a choice about? And he brought up Hadassah. That is Esther, his uncle's daughter. For she had neither father nor mother. And the maid was what? And what? You got your Bibles open? And the maid was what? And beautiful whom Mordecai when her father and mother were dead took her for his own daughter so it came to pass and it will when the king's commandment and his decree was heard and when many maidens were gathered together under Shushan the palace to the custody of Hegai that Esther was brought also into the king's house to the custody of Hegai the keeper of the women and the maiden pleased him and she obtained kindness of him. And he speedily gave her her things for purification, with such things as belonged to her, and seven maidens, which were meat to be given her, out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. Let the church say amen. Our Father, we pray you add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me to be a blessing. Use the Bible as you have time and time again. We love you as we've sung tonight. and Lord, we love you because we can place all our hope in you. We've been washed in the blood. For all that you've done, you're doing, and will do, we praise you and thank you and ask these in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. We're enjoying our... Journey through this precious book in the Bible, reminded that in these 10 chapters, not one time is the name of God mentioned. How ironic a book centered around the person of God. And yet in this particular book, God is never mentioned. But how many of you know, though he's never mentioned, he is at work. And so we've entitled this series, God is working behind the scenes. When it seems like you can't see him, you can't find him. You don't know what he's doing. When it seems like Everyone else is the main character. And when it seems like evil is winning and the flesh will not back down, and it seems like the plot of Satan is prevailing, please remind the reins of your brains that God is working behind the scenes. Somebody say amen to that. And so we find Esther here. And the story begins not talking about her, but it begins talking about the scene that she's going to enter, the eastern power. It's Ahasuerus. God has allowed him to sit on the throne in Persia. Promotion cometh not from the east or the west, but God is the judge. He setteth up one and taketh down another. Even evil rulers that are sitting on the throne, they couldn't sit there unless God allowed them. And so this is here because God allows him. He's prosperous. He's, he's an established ruler with an extensive reign, but his eastern rulership or his eastern power is coupled with excessive pride. He's got it and he wants everybody to know. Be careful when you got it and you want everybody else to know because where you got it from is God. And when you're showing off, you've got the wrong picture. Amazing feast he sets aside and invites everybody to see what he's doing. He has a feast for his superior leaders, a feast for his summoned lay people, and he includes attendees and allows them to attendees and he gives them an intimate intimate ambiance and an interesting adjustment. He has a shorter feast for them, but an impressive array of all kinds of things. You could walk around Ahasuerus' palace and not be impressed. This is what he's doing, providing them drink, that they're drinking with proper discipline to their personal delight. Drink as much as you want, as long as you want. This is a man that's having fun with everything he has. A separate feast for the ladies, that is Queen Vashti is presiding over. This arrogant fame of this ruler is to show his favorable consumption with a flamboyant compulsion. Aren't we living in a day and age where people want to show off all the time? And we've got all kinds of venues and media that will provide us the means to make ourselves look good. Post what you're doing. Tell everybody what you're doing. Make yourself look good. Sell your image. Build your platform. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not here to build us. We're here to lift up the mighty name of Jesus. And yet here we are. This is a pagan. We've got to remind ourselves this was not a saved man. This was not a Jew. This was not a man that was familiar with God. But we can learn from his mistakes because some of us that do know God make the same ones. So here he is. We're introduced now to an existential problem. This eastern power, this excessive pride, now this is existential problem. Here's the problem. His alcoholic influence and his adamant insistence give him a pompous demand. I want my queen to come and show off for me. She looks good and I want to look good because she looks good to everybody that's around. Here's the problem. She says, no, I ain't coming. I know you want me to come. I know you the king. I'm the queen, and I'm not coming. She has personal defiance, and his passionate displeasure about this is he can't believe she says no. He was very wroth, verse number 12. His anger burned in him. He's drowning in pride. and Can't believe anybody will say no to him. By the way, when you're drowning in pride, you can't understand why anybody will say no to you. When I'm drowning in pride, I can't understand why anybody will say no to to me that's what pride does it makes me think no one has even the right to say no so he has a perspective deliberation he asked all of those around him what he should do to her verse 13 these wise men which knew the time these are smart guys advisors what should we do to her verse number 14 Verse number 15 and verse number 16, they give them a suggestion. You got to punish her because if she gets away with disobeying you, every woman in the kingdom going to think she should disobey her husband. That's an exaggeration, but it worked. It worked. And this extreme counsel, this effective commandment was established. And now the king is convinced by his advisors to get rid of her. And we end chapter number one with a prompted dismissal out Vashti goes. Chapter two is where we started last week after these things. After these things. We're going to see an exact placement. Now watch this now. We're going to watch God move somebody out so he can move his person in. Raise your hand tonight if you're glad you're God's person. Amen. (laughs) As many as received him, and them gave you power to become the sons of God, even of them that believe on his name. Behold, what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Let me tell you something. You may not be much out there, but aren't you glad you're something in here? Amen. You are a child of the King and God has a place for you. Do you believe that tonight? These groups of young people that are gathered here tonight, maybe 11th or 12th grade or coming to the end of high school and you're thinking about what you're going to be and where you're going to go and what school you're going to go to. There's a world out there that will chew you up and spit you out and lose no sleep over. If you're not careful, you'll think you got to bow down to them and what they say and do in order to make something of yourself. I'm trying to tell you before you were ever thought of or spotted on a sonogram, God had a place for you. He's got something for you to do. And he sees America, he sees the scene, he sees what's going on in our world, he sees every form of temptation that you're going to encounter. And I'm telling you, we see in the life of Esther, whatever God has for you is for you, and nobody can stop it. I'm going to tell you the only person going to stop what God has for you, you. You do what you're supposed to do. You be where you're supposed to be. You live how you're supposed to live. You're going to end up where you're supposed to be. And so we're finding a penitent sentiment of this king. He's rethinking what he did to Vashti. Sudden remorse, a specific remembrance. I really, I really shouldn't have done that, verse number one. He remembered what he had done, and what he had decreed. And immediately his step in again on his penitent sentiment. And before he goes and regrets and gets her back, they propose a search. Here's what you do, king. You need to find a bunch of women, fair virgins in here, out here in this kingdom and you need to invite them all in and let's find one of them that will please you and whoever it is that pleases you, you can pick her to be your next queen. Your queen can be replaced. Now listen to me. These are lost people with a plan that they've devised with their own thoughts that will help the king out. They didn't realize that among all those virgins was somebody that belonged to almighty God and she was going to end up in that spot. Listen to me. You're going to get to that spot even when the people that are picking you don't know who you are. God knows who you are. God knows who you are. And so this advisory opinion, appointed officers, find some people that will go to the provinces and gather all these virgins virgins together, verse number Three, the assembling operation, assemble all of them and put them in the custody of Hijri, the king's chamberlain and, and then allow them to be prepared. And verse number four, let the maiden which pleaseth thee be queen instead. So we got a plan. The, the king accepts it. This is an accepted offer. Then this proposed search gives us way to what we call last week a particular servant. Now in Shushan, the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai. Notice to this particular servant, notice his ethnic roots. He's a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, the son of Kish, the son of Shimei, the son of Jair. Notice his eventful reality. Verse six, he'd been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity, which had been carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. Watch this now. Mordecai was not in Persia because of his own sin. He was in Persia because the people of God had failed to obey God and God raised up a man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar to strip them away and bring them there. And after Nebuchadnezzar was taken over by the Medes and the Persians, here you have Ahasuerus ruling. Listen to me. Uh, uh, Mordecai ended up somewhere that he didn't want to be. He ended up there under unfavorable circumstances. He ended up there in a situation that wasn't ideal for him. He would have never have picked to live in Persia, but the providence of God put him somewhere he didn't pick to be. Look at just a moment to your pastor. The providence of God is going to allow you to end up places you would have never picked to be. Watch this now. Just because you're somewhere you didn't want to be doesn't give you the right to not be a good Christian. You still got to do right. I don't like my job. I don't like my neighborhood. I don't like my boss. I don't like where I live. I don't like this or that. Listen to me. You may not like the people and like your environment. You better love your God. This fellow's doing right. He's doing right when he's been done wrong. That's character. That's what we need. That's what we need in 2022. Some people that would do right when they're done wrong. This is this particular servant. We have to quit looking at the people in the Bible who lived righteously as if they were set up for convenient Christianity. The best Christians in the Bible didn't live convenient Christianity. They lived correct Christianity, regardless of whether it was convenient or not. He had embraced a responsibility. Notice this embraced responsibility. He's raising a girl that wasn't his. He brought up Hadassah, verse 7. His uncle's daughter. This is his little cousin that he's raising she didn't have a father. She didn't have a mother. Look at the character of this man. This man has his own problems, but in the middle of his own problems, he's helping somebody else with hers. You want to find out how God's going to help you out your own problems? Get your eyes on somebody else's? He's raising her up. This is the particular servant that God puts in this story. What a pompous king who's so full of himself, he's so drunk, he's so stubborn, He's so selfish, he has no reason to believe that anybody would say no to him. He's full of himself. He's ruling. He's in charge. He's prosperous. He's full of pride. He wants everybody to know and it looks like he's going to rule and reign and run the whole book of Esther. But meanwhile, God's got a little nobody who's a foreigner in a land that he wouldn't even want to be in. But God says, I'll tell you something, character will outdo cash any day of the week. His character is going to put him on the scene. Proverbs says it like this. A man's gift maketh room for him. Listen to me. You live out what God has given you. You live out the gift that God has placed. You be the Christian God has has designed you to be. It'll make room for you. You'll find your way on the stage, whether anybody knows you or not, if you'll just live with Christian character. This is the particular servant that God is going to introduce us to. His name is Mordecai. I want you to write down this and we'll look at this for a few moments tonight. In addition to a particular servant we're going to look at a prepared subject. You open your Bible to this book in the Bible and it tells us it's the book of what? Esther. Say it with me. The book of what? Esther. This is what we're finding. Now now, you would think if you're reading in the book of Esther, that we wouldn't get through a whole chapter and not hear her name. Right? I mean, the book of Job, you start off talking about there was a man in the, from the east whose name was Job. I mean, you look at all of, just about all the books in the Bible and, and they're not long. If the book is about them, you're going to see them mentioned. Listen to me. The book is about Esther and she's going to get on the stage, but she's got to wait her turn. Somebody help me preach tonight. Christian, you want to be what God wants you to be? You better learn how to wait your turn. Esther's coming. I was looking at a bunch of theologians today and looking historically, and the scripture gives us no definitive age of Esther. But the more I look, the more I study, the best. I can come up with, she's probably somewhere between 12 and 15. She's a young girl. Josephus, a great writer, tends to believe that these these hundreds of girls that are here, that are brought in, maybe even more than that, are brought to a king who's probably about 40 years old. I want you to hear this now. It's this 40-year-old king who's bringing some 12 to 15-year-old teenagers to pick his next queen. And, and among those girls is a girl in there that God has a plan for. But watch this now. The plan of God does nothing if it is not met by somebody who's got character. Here's the problem. We got, God's got big things for us. Here's the problem. We don't have enough character to match God's plan. This girl's got character. She's got enough character for God to fulfill his plan in her life. She's a prepared subject. Look, look, look at what he said. He brought up Edessa, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful. Now watch this now. Here's the prepared subject. She's put in a precise location. Watch this now. Before she was ever born, she's a Jew. Before she was ever born, her parents are gone. Her daddy and mama are gone. She's an orphan. She's got every reason to think there's nothing great in her future. I'm an orphan. I'm in a foreign country. I'm in captivity. I'm a teenager. Surely I don't have big things in my don't you let your circumstances determine what God has for you. This girl is an orphan. She do not have a mom and daddy. But God uses her the fact she's an orphan, the fact she's raised by her older cousin to put her her in a spot to fulfill his plan. Next time you complain about where you are, the complaint might be exactly the best place you need to be for God to do the best thing in your life. Wow, She's in a precise location. Look at the, look at the suggestion of these fellows earlier. They said, King, verse number three, find you fair young virgin she's not only in a precise location but she's living a pure life it pays to be pure the next time you read the book of esther just remember it's the book of something else if esther's not pure well i just want somebody to love me i just want somebody to like me you better want god to use you keep thyself pure flee fornication abstain from the appearance of evil make no provision for the flesh we love the chapters in esther where esther's in the palace where esther is rude we love when we get to the end where esther is there and she's telling him what to do and he responds and everybody's rooting for esther but listen to me before you're esther shining in the palace you've got to be esther being pure at the house wow pure life a pure life of high morals where are morals anymore? I said, where are morals? I mean purity of thought, purity of practice, purity, purity in her lifestyle. She wasn't promiscuous. Say she was only 12 to 15 year old. Listen, how old you gotta be nowadays to be promiscuous? Good gracious, a lie. God help us. God give us some 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old girls that just believe purity pays. Pure life, high morals. Notice her humble manners. We're almost finished. What do you mean humble? Well, she has submitted herself to the leadership of her older cousin. Watch this now. He's, he becomes her guardian. Good. Let us let, let to live nowadays. Let us let to be in 2022. You can't, you can't tell me what to do. You ain't my daddy. Let us to be like that nowadays. You ain't my daddy. You ain't my. I've heard, I've even heard people say, You can't boss me around. You're not even my real father. You're my stepdaddy. That's a horrible excuse not to obey. Jesus was raised by his stepdaddy. Luke chapter 2, he was subject to them. This is a humble girl. She, she didn't ask to be here, she'd have a reason to be bitter she had every reason to drown under trauma she had every reason to use her past experiences as an excuse to never amount to anything but there's somebody working in esther's life that's bigger than her experiences and it's god working behind the scenes. what are you going through that you're using as an excuse not to be something great for god she has a pure life in a precise location and oh by the way she's not only a prepared subject with those but she's also prepared because she's got pretty looks Fair and beautiful. I mean, she, she looks good. Now, watch this now. She's going to look good for the glory of God. She she ain't looking good to win a contract. She ain't looking good to get on a magazine cover. She ain't looking good to get a bunch of numbers. She ain't getting good to get a bunch of guys. She can pick which one she likes. She's looking good so that God can use her beauty for his glory. And whatever God gave you, he didn't give it to you to look good. He gave it to you for his glory. And yet, she's going to be the subject of a presumptuous law. Precise location a pure life with high morals and humble manners. Pretty looks. But a presumptuous law. Uh, Be careful, ladies, when you're envious of of Esther. It's got to be pretty intimidating to be 12 to 15-year-old and to be brought to the palace and one by one have your turn with the king, I, 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 couldn't find my way around this, reading this passage of scripture. The Bible says, and we'll get into it next week, or well, it'll be, be November before we come back to it, because we have stewardship next month. Let's give you something to think about. Everybody think about. Oh, I wish this is not Cinderella story. All right, this ain't a girl just need one other slipper. This is this is intimidating. This, let, let's give her 15 at the top of our estimation the story tells us every one of those girls is gonna have a chance to go to the palace and see the king they're gonna get prepared to go to the palace and see the king and the scripture tells us you read it for yourself between now and next time we get together she's gonna to go see the king and then the next morning she's gonna go back to a place and wait to see if he likes her have you ever wondered what happened between the night and the morning scripture gives us implication that this guy is having a good time with every one of these women and deciding which one he likes. That's not a fun situation. That's a terrible situation. And yet the rest of the book still lives on because this girl has enough character to live in a perverted kingdom with a pompous king. How in the world do you get treated this way and still manage to come out victorious for God? You gotta quit looking at people and keep looking at God. He'll never fail you. He'll never let you. We are living in a dirty, dark, discouraging world. But God is greater. God is greater. Maybe you're here tonight and you are not progressing because some stuff's happened to you that's wrong, it's hurtful, it's traumatic, it's abusive, it's horrible, it triggers horrible memories. God is giving us a book in the Bible that tells us your past does not have to define you. In Jesus' name, you can live out your purpose regardless of what people have done for you because what God has for you is for you. Say amen to that. Our Father, we love you. We bless you. We magnify your name. Keep working in us and through us and help us to be who you'd have us be. With your head bowed and eyes closed, How many say, Pastor, I want God's purpose. I want God's plan in my life. I want what God has for me regardless of what others do to me or what happens to me or where I end up. I don't want the status of society, the circumstances of life, the mistreatment by other people. I don't want any of that to determine what I am for the Lord, pray that God will give me the character to match His plan for my life. If that's you all over the building tonight, would you put your hand up? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, young people. God bless you and adults alike. Oh, God, touch every heart, represented by every hand. Keep doing the work in us and through us. God, forgive us for excusing our failures because of what we face. If anybody ever had a reason not to be great, it was Esther. But where there's a God, there's always a chance at greatness. Help us, Lord to press on through the purpose you have for us. And you might help us to be all you've designed for us, not because of our circumstances, but in spite of them. In Jesus' name.